0: And we get a little foretaste of what we expect in an infinitely greater way someday in his presence. I'm grateful for um, the invitation. Thank you so much, brother. Um, It's not just the invitation. The timing of the invitation was quite good. We've done a lot of soul searching in the last months. And uh, sometimes we were grasping for things to be encouraged about. This was one of those things that was very encouraging to us. I've checked on um, the YouTube channel of the church a couple times just to get an idea of what the services were like, and I have to say that uh, YouTube doesn't do any justice to your singing or to the instruments or anything like that. Um, it's so much more uh, wonderful to actually be with you. Of course, that's true in general. And whoever chose the, uh, the songs and hymns today, thank you very much. Very appropriate and very encouraging to me. It's a privilege to worship with you, my wife, two of our sons are with us, the older two are studying in the U.S., and um, well, I'll tell you a little bit more maybe about us as we go through as time allows. Um, the title today of our message is Hope for the Downcast, and one of the things you don't know about me and is not important, but I, I may be one of the worst um, title makers uh, for messages, it's just not my thing. Uh, So that's the best we could do. And then we we adjusted it um, a little bit. So we want to talk about um, hope for the downcast, but I I added a subtitle, Comfort for Troubled uh, Pilgrims. I wanted to start by by explaining what I meant um, by pilgrims. It's something um, I embrace. Um, My parents were missionaries in South America. That means um, I have three passports, I have no idea where I'm from, and you come to a certain uh, stage of life, and all of a sudden you're reminded that your citizenship is in heaven, like you pledge allegiance to a lot of flags, um, you don't really know where home is, but it's such a wonderful thing to remember that uh, home is heaven, that I'm going there and I've never been home, so it's okay to feel a little bit uh, disconnected here. So, pilgrim is a concept or is a word that I've clung to over the years. Um, to, just to understand the reality of the situation. A, a pilgrim, when we use that word outside the church, we're normally talking about a traveler who's going to a holy place. And often there's uh, trouble or hardship on the way. That's part of the uh, pilgrimage. In our community context, it's, it's a foreigner on his way home It's uh, someone on a rough road to the holiest of places. So I think it makes a lot of sense, and it recognizes something of our reality. Um, And I think we're blessed, most of us that aren't whatever, far from your passport country, in in the sense that you have been allowed to see in a very special way that home is still future. In other words, you've been slightly uprooted or majorly uprooted, and I think you have a clearer perspective on that. So that's, that's what I mean by that. Now, our family in 2003, uh, we started in Chile. We left in, um, and how wonderful, by the way, to have someone from Chile read the scripture reading before I come up here. I was blown away by that. I'm sure it's an accident, but I just couldn't believe it. Amazing. So March, we go from South America to North America August, we go from North America to Eurasia. November, we go from Eurasia to Spain. So that was our family's 2023, was almost as good as the pandemic years in South America. So we've seen quite a bit, and honestly, don't take it at all as a complaint. If you believe in a good sovereign God, you can't complain, but almost nothing has gone according to plan and trying to plan for the next stage has been exceptionally, exceptionally difficult. So this morning, um, because I've been looking at 2 Corinthians, because of what we've been living as a family and what I suspect you may be encountering too as we begin this year, I'd like to talk about the God who comforts and delivers. Now, I had to pare down the passage. We were actually going to look through verses 11, and we were going to also focus on the God who delivers, but um, it started getting a little too big, so we're going to stick to the God of all comfort this morning. But I hope that'll be a blessing to you. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians 1. And I'm gonna go ahead and read verses three through seven. I'll read from the NIV. Follows very closely the translation that you have there in in your seats with the ESV. 2 Corinthians chapter one, verses three through seven. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Let's pray. Good Father, as we approach your word, we ask that uh, you would humble us, you would give us receptive hearts, you would help us to engage with this truth, and conform our living, our thinking, and even submit our feeling uh, to this truth that you've given us in your word. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ and how he's made all this possible, and we thank you, we praise you for being a merciful, comforting Heavenly Father. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's quickly get started And we'll do this uh, briefly. First of all, the book I mentioned, I've been looking at 2 Corinthians lately. It is by far the most emotional of all of Paul's writings. His heart is torn and and it's exposed in this letter in in an amazing way. So you read Romans, uh, you wouldn't catch any of this. Uh, autobiographical information, or or this wounded heart uh, speaking to people that he loves so dearly. So there's a tone, a raw tone of injury. Uh, He's been terribly wounded, disrespected, if you will, by the Corinthians, and yet he is relentless in his affection for them. So he's not responding in the same way. Uh, The purpose of the book overall, he's responding to critics that are saying that because he suffered too much, there was no way he was an apostle. And if you know anything about Paul's life, he's got long lists in different places of the scriptures of all the things that he endured for the sake of Jesus Christ. And you have these false teachers in Corinth that are telling the people, this guy suffers too much to be a legitimate apostle. If he was the real thing, he wouldn't be experiencing so much trouble. And Paul's answer is that abundant suffering coupled with abundant comfort are, in fact, evidences of true apostleship. So he's having to counter these mistaken notions. And, of course, there is much in Christianity today that follows along these lines uh, with criticism and, uh, about suffering and other things and how this life should all be uh, smooth sailing and you shouldn't run into difficulties. Um, that's not what Paul sees And that's not what he shares here. So these verses, these four or five verses, may be the the Bible's greatest text on comfort. Um, About 10 times the word comfort, either in verb or noun form, appears here. So basically a third of the the times that the word appears in the New Testament, we have it in these few verses um, right here. Paul says more about suffering. Paul says more about comfort probably than any other writer in the Bible. And he says so much about comfort right here. So this is going to be very straightforward. I already told you I had to reduce some of the material. So what we want to do is very simple. We want to approach these verses, and uh, we want to ask um, a few questions. Very simply, we want to ask uh, from these verses, what do we learn about God? And then we want to find what certain anchor or certain hope we can anchor our lives to. And then we want to not just consider how it affects us, but we want to consider how it affects a Bible community, a church. So that's what, we'd, uh, that's what we're going to try to do in these minutes that we have. So let's, let's go ahead and start with what do we learn about God? What well, we learn about God, easily visible here, in, in the surface even of the text, is that God comforts us in our troubles. Now, I hope, I hope that that statement doesn't surprise you in, in any way. That should be something that most of us understand, and at least we understand intellectually. But the reason I mention it, I highlight it, the reason why I think it's important is that we tend to forget simple truths, And when difficulties come, we instinctively look for comfort in other places, to dull the pain, dull the anxiety, whatever the case may be, and we forget simple things like this. God comforts us in our troubles. So we're forgetful, and then when difficulty comes, we instinctively run to other things, and we have to come back to our senses and return to the God who comforts us in our troubles. And when it comes to a a Bible community, a church, sometimes I think we also forget how he comforts us. So I mentioned something this simple, and we're kind of going to park here today, because I think we're forgetful, and I think our instincts sometimes betray us. So who is this God that comforts Paul in his troubles? Who is this God that comforts us today? So verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a thoroughly Trinitarian understanding of the true God. I was reading earlier this week, passage in the Gospels, where Jesus has to correct the Sadducees about the resurrection, and he reminds them that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is a God of the living. Here he's presented, though, in, in, in kind of a culminating way. He is the God and Father, not just, of, not just of Abraham, not just of Isaac, not just of Jacob, but of Jesus Christ himself. And this is marvelous. He is the God of the living, not the dead, and no one is more alive than the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he's mentioned is the father of compassion. And this is how he is often described in the Old Testament. Many of you would know, for example, Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And that's frequently how he's presented in the Old Testament. And then he is the God of all comfort, all those words there are important. But I think that word all is very important there. So Paul wants his hearers to understand that the merciful father is the source of all possible comfort and consolation, whether that is indirectly or directly. But he is the source. It makes me think of James chapter one, where it says that every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights. He is the sole source and here it's saying, in a very real way, that the source of all comfort is, is that Father. And I think that's, that's wonderful. So that is the God who comforts Paul in his troubles. Now let's go to verse 4 and ask ourselves the question, so what does he mean by comfort? If I was translating this in Chile, I wouldn't even use that word, because unfortunately the Spanish word for comfort in Chile is most common type of toilet paper, so we don't use that word. We'd have to translate it differently. But the idea of comfort here is to strengthen much, to encourage, to stand by someone as they endure testing. So God's comfort to us in Scripture, Old and New Testament, is frequently, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That's throughout both Testaments. (laughs) So some of this comfort would be tangible and some would be intangible. By that I mean intangible. I guess you could combine it both ways, but frequently he reminds us that he's with us to the end of the age and that our present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory to come. I don't know if you would call that intangible. It has tangible aspects to it. Have you ever noticed how much um, an upcoming event can encourage you through dull days, just the dull days. I'm not even talking about the hard days. We had to wait to the last minute. We wanted our two older children to join us for Christmas, but like five weeks before Christmas, we didn't even know where we were going to be spending Christmas. And God was was so good. He allowed us to fly them from the U.S. to Barcelona. They spent some weeks with us, but the news, um, the 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 longing for them to come got us through some pretty dark days, just knowing that they would soon be with us and that we were going to spend Christmas in a new place, in a tiny apartment, but it didn't matter. We were all going to be together. So that's one of the wonderful ways in which God works. I don't know if you'd call it intangibly, but allowing us to have something to look forward. And then there's the tangible ways in which God encourages us And that was partly why we read that reading from chapter 7 a little bit earlier. Paul was comforted in a tangible way with the arrival of colleagues with encouraging news. We saw this earlier. Let me just read parts of it. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. So, that God of comfort, of all comfort, he comforts us directly, and indirectly, tangible, intangible means, but it all comes from him. For us, the idea of comfort can sometimes convey this idea of emotional relief, a sense of well-being, uh, satisfaction, freedom from pain, freedom from anxiety. Um, And certainly our culture looks for that more self-centered version, perhaps, of ease. Um, But that only lasts for a moment. If if you've lived long enough, you you know that. And it never fully satisfies. Uh, I ran into a great quote. And let me read part of that for you. The comfort that Paul has in mind has nothing to do with a pleasant feeling of contentment. It is not some tranquilizing dose of grace that only dulls pain, but a stiffening agent that fortifies one in heart, mind, and soul. God's comfort strengthens weak knees and sustains sagging spirits so that no one, so that one faces the troubles of life with unbending resolve and unending assurance. It's different. It's not something just to dull the pain. It's not something just to get by. It's a strengthening that comes from him. And what does he mean by troubles as we continue on in this verse? Comforts us in all our troubles. Well, perhaps distress or affliction would be a better word. I'm reading from the NIV here. Uh, Those of you reading the uh, the ESV will see it translated as afflictions. Paul had, had experienced many, many difficult times. Uh, Many, many afflictions, time and time again in different places in Scripture, we have that recorded. Uh, Let me just read you a few verses from chapter 11, some of the things he experienced. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. There's a sense, and with distress and affliction, are the common experience of Paul, the Corinthians, and all true believers throughout the ages, despite what some people teach about the the prosperity you should expect um, in this life. There's a sense in which Paul invites the Corinthians to life together in the gospel under the sufferings and the comfort that only Christ can give. And this is encouraging. And it's real. It's a real understanding of the broken world we live in. Now, moving on, for what purpose is Paul comforted? Well, he says so that he can comfort others in their troubles. I have to admit that the first time First few times I read this, probably as a young adult, it wasn't very comforting to me to think of a God that comforted me just so I could comfort other people. My thought kind of was, doesn't he love me? Or is it just that he, you know, I I had a hard time wrapping my head around that when I was younger. Um, But the comfort that Paul receives in a very real sense has given him an enlarged, a supersized capacity to comfort others. That's what it done. It is fully comforted him to the point of overflowing. It's given him a large capacity that now allows that comfort to overflow and benefit others. Uh, so the sufferings, the comforts he has experienced, despite the accusations of these false teachers, those are the impeccable apostolic credentials. That's what he's telling them, that they've misunderstood. You know from experience that there are some profound afflictions where nothing is so comforting as someone coming alongside who has suffered the same trial. I don't think there's anything like it. So, for example, many of us could speak um, gracious words to a woman who has miscarried, but there's not going to be anything like the special comfort when another woman who has miscarried comes alongside, even if she doesn't say anything, even if she's just a silent witness to God's goodness in her life, communicating that all will be well and that God is good. So she may not even have to say much. And let's face it, when we want to be comforted, we want to be comforted by someone who has suffered, not someone who understands the theory of suffered, certainly not a first-year psychology student Uh, who who thinks they have all the answers. So there's nothing so comforting as as having a fellow pilgrim come alongside who has suffered and can give witness to God's faithfulness and can share some of the comfort they have because they have an oversized capacity for comfort because of God's goodness to them in times of difficulty. I think that's universally true. Verse 5 for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Question here and the answer are very simple. Why is Paul so sure he will be comforted? Because every one of Paul's epic miseries was attended by God's comfort. And we see it time and time again, but let me just read you a little piece from 2 Timothy chapter 4. At my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me, may it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul always experienced God's comfort. Never once did he face adversity without the comfort of God. How do we share in this sufferings of Christ? Well, we know how we don't share. We can't add anything to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So that's not it. Jesus on the cross said it is finished. So that's not what we're doing. But the sufferings of Christ probably do include everything that befalls the person in Christ who's looking to serve Christ. So if you are in Christ wanting to please Christ, wanting to serve Christ, sufferings and comfort Will come. Um, So that could be physical afflictions, that could be spiritual suffering of all kinds. Um, Anyway, it includes those things. I think we do need to say, though, and we should not make the mistake of imagining that those that suffer more than others are necessarily more spiritual. Uh, Paul never glorified suffering as such. It was an apostolic credential, but it wasn't something that he was proud of. The sufferings actually were meant to keep him from getting proud, if you remember. He had seen such great visions. But we can say with confidence, if you are a new creation, if you are in Christ, if you are seeking to serve him, you will share in his sufferings. So we ought not to be surprised, and we ought to cling to the hope that as we suffer, we will be comforted, even if we do not glorify suffering as such. Verse (laughs) 6 If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. In verse 6, let's just limit our observations to this. There's a relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church. What distresses and comforts Paul blesses the Corinthians either way. They have it good. No matter what happens to Paul, it's good for the Corinthians. A remarkable relationship. And he's saying this to people that are, in some ways, have rejected him. So there is a fellowship that is forged in affliction. So they may have been tempted to look down on an apostle that suffered so much, but he reminds them of the experiences they share and points out that because of this relationship, they benefit in every way. He suffers, he's comforted, they benefit. What certain hope do we find? What certain hope do we find? Verse 7, second part. Just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. That's the certain hope we find. If you seek an untroubled life, this text is not for you. Paul has already been abundantly clear. If we, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. The comforts of this passage are for those who follow Jesus and everything that that... Entails. So we can't make the mistake of giving hope to just someone who professes to be a Christian. This is someone in Christ, following Christ, seeking to please Christ. So perhaps someone here this morning is not a follower of Jesus. And I guess my words would be very simple. I would implore you, on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. Jesus, the sinless one, has provided the only way to be reconciled with God the God we have rebelled against. He took the place of sinners like you, like me on that cross, and there is hope for those who will trust him. But for those who only profess Christ, who are not in Christ and then do not live for him, uh, this, this is not comforting, perhaps, for you. As a family I mentioned, we experienced levels of uncertainty in 2023, like never before. Planning each new step was a nightmare because other things had to happen before we could plan. But what a relief during the whole year, time and time again, to find words of certain hope to cling to. What a relief to remember that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need not fear any evil because he is with us and his rod and staff, they comfort us. What a relief to know that if your life is hidden in Christ, the comfort is just as certain as the suffering. Just as certain. The fact that there is suffering guarantees the other part if you are in Christ following in his footsteps. So those who follow Christ closely this year, 2024, will experience suffering and all the comfort they need. All the comfort they need. As a matter of fact, enough comfort to share with others. It'll overflow as God gives you an increased capacity to receive. Someone's taking care of this. I am going to trust you, brother. You take take this from here. What does this mean finally for this community of believers, any community of believers? And here I I want to leave you all of it, but I, I want you to think uh, on this. I want you to keep meditating on this because it's, it's more than just about us individually. It's about a community. And what it means for community of believers is that those who follow, those uh, that God comforts us for his people and through his people. That's, that's what I want you to keep chewing on and considering. So how do we see this in this text? Well, we, we see it in, in especially in chapter 7, the portion that we read before. God comforts Paul by the coming of Titus. Titus has been comforted by the Corinthians, and now Paul, in turn, comforts the Corinthians. So you see that there's a relationship that goes around. Uh, And this is part of what needs to happen in a community. This is why we do not live isolated Christian lives. God's comfort often comes full circle. In this case, Corinthians, Titus, Paul, Corinthians. So it's one of the reasons that belonging to a community of faith, a local church, is not optional for those of us who belong to Jesus. Suffer Suffering and comfort are meant to be a shared experience for us as fellow pilgrims. Uh, we bear one another's burdens. We are meant to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Uh, we're not meant to be negligent in that way. So just think of a couple of things. Um, with me. How can we, in good conscience, deprive others of the comfort we have received? How can we, in good conscience, deprive others in our community of the comfort we have received? Sometimes that means getting honest about our afflictions, our difficulties, and the difficult times that God has brought us through. We have to be willing to share that. And then secondly, how can we neglect? seeking the comfort God intends to supply through our brothers and sisters. You may find yourself complaining that God doesn't give you the comfort that you need, and he intends to give it to you through your brothers and sisters. I think that's something we need to consider. So God comforts us for his people and through his people. So what might 2024 look like if we believed this truth and acted upon it? I don't know. It could be pretty amazing. I don't know what your expectations are for 2024. We are living in a broken world and we are forgiven sinners. So we should temper our expectations. But I hope, I hope that you expect from God comfort and that some of that comfort will come from your brother, from your sister, and some of that comfort that you receive will be for your brother for your sister. We belong to the God of all comfort, who comforts us abundantly that we might comfort others, and we must be humble enough to receive comfort from others as well. Let me encourage you with these things as we face a new year. Good Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your patience with us Thank you especially for the comfort you give, directly and indirectly, and I ask that you would allow us to live in community, true community this year, receiving what you give, dispensing what you give, and humbly receiving from others comfort as well. You are worthy of our trust. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen.